ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is too long but not only are we back with another episode of hard in the pain with david grubb i'm back with my brother um my man the one and only marlon favorite big fave man it's been too long since we talked i'm glad we get to do this again it's been a minute brother last year we had so much action you know working over at iheart and then also the successful season lsu had last year so we had more action but hey we back at it man it's crazy 2020 man so thanks for having me back on yeah we both have been what's funny is like we both kind of changed our relationships with iheart <laughs> and yeah. um but at the same time we both have been a, a lot busier too like things have really started to take off um, for both of us, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, why don't you tell folks, because you have added some things to your repertoire lately. Yeah, so so basically, um, I'm, I'm, I'm more active in the community here in New Orleans, helping out with Cafe Hope, uh, doing some things over there, along with the NOLA Gold Rugby team. So, uh, you know, I've been doing stuff uh, midweek a lot with those entities and just really trying to reshape and kind of change the formatting with Inside the Trenches. Like, I love the way it was going, but now that we're doing the more one-on-one guests, it's it's and it would do a, enough of that other stuff already. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going on Gus Cadengale's show. I'm, you know, going on with Jordy um, out in Lafayette from time to time. And, you know, we so you, you get enough of that uh, throughout the week, you know, just stats and – facts about the games but i like the one-on-one interviews because you get an opportunity to really find out more about the person and uh, i just think those interviews are hotter yeah i mean it, it 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 lets you be more of a person rather than just like you said it, you can break down the football stuff but that's also we talk the technical things and there's a lot of guys who will sit there and can talk technique but when you get to do it the way you're doing now with Inside the Trenches, like you said, it's more about Marlon Favorite, how you interact with your guests, how you, uh, what you bring to the table. And that's something that allows people to get to know you um, a little bit more as well. And that's, that's what I've, I've enjoyed about this format um, more so than having the radio show is just that opportunity to, to kind of get deeper into things with folks and be more honest with them and exchange with them rather than, like you said, trying to fill your agenda to get my 20 minutes in before the break. And we got to talk about this, 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 and be out. Right. Exactly. That's, this is, and what I'm starting to notice is more people are switching to podcasts and just listening to different interviews with different individuals. So it's kind of almost like how breakfast club does their thing, but except you're more video. It's more video. And even those those folks have switched to a little bit of that. So I enjoy it. I drive Big Dog, too. I forgot to tell you about that. Uh, gorilla. I saw, I saw that on Instagram. So. Yeah, I was like, because, you know, everybody like, I like what you dropped this summer. But what I dropped this summer is was just lost tapes. It's really what it was named. It's stuff that, and it's kind of like a little intro to quarantine kind of did that to all of us, just kind of you start reaching how could I make this podcast hot and stuff like that so we're going to drop from balling to broadcasting within that worked on about five tracks so far so I don't know if there's going to be a, a Mardi Gras thing since there's no Mardi Gras you gotta have something to celebrate so yeah you gotta throw something out there you know <laughs> yeah. hopefully people will have a, a good pelican season to be in the middle of um, too so that you can know, buck it up while you're at home watching the game now yeah or maybe you're doing a post-Saint Super Bowl celebration. Who knows? Right. Who knows? This song has Zion Williamson written all over it, though, and, like, Cam Jordan. I even publicly said uh, I want Teron Onstead to hop on uh, the remix. So, heard him spitting them balls. They got some ballers that some spit out there, like Damian Litter. I think his yeah. music dope. Uh, Cole Beasley, he he got bars, man. He pretty dope. And then uh, I heard Armstead stuff. So, I like that. I embrace that. I, I love when folks are – just outside of just okay, yeah, I play football. Yeah, that's cool. 
what else? What else you do? I thought it was cool. Jonathan Stewart, he he played the piano, you know, mm-hmm. got in the production and stuff like that. But don't be one dimensional football players. No, cool. I mean, and whatever that field is to express yourself intellectually and spiritually, whatever. I get that other part out, like you said. I mean, the just quickly, the, you remember the whole thing of the Greek athlete was to be peak physically and mentally. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have to remember that, too, is like for all of us, not just for athletes, but it's just a society. You, you mind anybody, they go together. Don't don't separate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a tough weekend in Baton Rouge. LSU Tigers. Bama could have dropped. 90, 100 points on, on, on your boys, but they were they were they were kind. They were merciful. Nick Saban was was gentle. And um after they dropped 45 on them in the first half, only give up 10 in the second half. It that's that that's bad, man. It, it was just it as that's the worst it's been since it took over. That's worse than the and it's you knew LSU was gonna lose this game, but just the feeling of it is the worst. Since Ed took over, I think. I honestly thought the score would have been worse, and I'm judging that off of, like, Auburn. Um, you know, just, like, I know Alabama's a better team than Auburn and, like, Mizzou, but this LSU football team is getting better. That's what I like in areas. So I was talking with my homie earlier, Sammy, and we was just – looking at this season as a whole and kind of looking at all the different pieces and all, like if, if people really take a step back and look at this LSU team, I think they would have a different perspective of them. Cause you, like everybody's looking at, man, y'all was so good last year. Like last year, LSU was truly the greatest college football team ever. I love to hear people try to argue different. I know there's Ohio – I mean, excuse me, there's uh, – yeah, there's Ohio State, Miami. You know, you have those teams, that those historical teams. You know, some would argue the USC teams, but LSU just did it. I mean, in the way that they – the way that they took down those top ten teams and where those top ten teams were and made all of those games look easy, I think the fan base is kind of still hung up on that and not paying attention to the departures, not only with the players, but the coaches as well, and the circumstances. So, you know, where there's toes, elbows, and fingers pointed at coaches and certain players, I think people just really need to sit back and look at what this team actually went through. So I'll, I'll, for, for your listeners and the folks checking out the, this episode, here's some of the things you need to pay attention to. One, Dave Aranda is now the head coach at Baylor, right? So it's not so much about Dave Aranda being a better coordinator than Polini or Polini being a better coordinator. But for those who may not understand recruiting, here's how it goes. The personnel that LSU have now is tailored to a Dave Aranda's defense. Oh, but let's pause right there for a second. Pause. You got Coach O says the other day, it ain't personnel problem. Said it ain't that ain't it. So he and his coordinator are seeing because that's exactly what um, has been said by both. Well, but they both now they both are in kind of a conflict there where O is saying that ain't the deal. It's not players. Does that mean? Does that indicate that something is going to come to a head? Because it has to. Either somebody's wrong. Or somebody's gonna have to change their mind. Well, it's it's a number of ways. Coach O publicly came out and said that I, I really just want the listeners to know what my eyes see. I mean, no, no, I'm here. Have to I'm make just, a, I just want to frame it within the context of you breaking it down, but also the the real rem like the out. There's the re, the reality, and then there's what you have to deal with for Coach O. And right, you gotta see if he says that publicly. What does that mean internally with what relation to what you're talking about? It's true. Like, it's, it's true what he's saying um, because it comes from out of the horse's mouth. And on top of that, where we're at in the season, I think Coach O is just really done with excuses. You know, a coach's job is to coach. And I don't know if, if that's something he's just saying to motivate himself and his staff or it's just a harsh reality because, I mean, the bottom line is 
the plays that are called could be better. That's true. Um, more adjustments, so on and so forth. Just coming from that Polini's defense, the reason I stick to the personnel thing so much is because I knew the players we were, particularly in our front seven. And that's what made us successful. I tell people all the time, the numbers are never lied to you. Glenn Dorsey. Are we overestimating the players that LSU recruited at those spots? And have you seen them develop? Have you seen, are there bright spots among that line that you've seen? Because there are certain guys who've had moments. So who are there guys who have gotten better from game one to game six? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jaqueline Roy is one guy that's gotten better from game one to six. I think if we we look at a veteran, I think Andre Anthony has gotten better. Um, he got thrown out the club one play the other day, but, you know, that happens to the best of us. Um, a little inconsistency from Glenn Logan and, and Nick Farrell. Those are two guys I thought, especially with Nick Farrell having so much pro potential, I thought he would have done a lot more. So that's why I really stick to my gun with the personnel thing. Something's not clicking because, again, this is a one-gap defense. And most of the issues that they're having is coming from missed tackles. It's coming from players being out of position and also blown coverage and miscommunication on the back end. That's LSU's story this year. Every game, Mississippi State, Mizzou, Auburn. We could we could talk the most recent with Alabama. It's just a story, D Grub. So what happened to Jacoby Stevens on that? On that one play? He he got you talking about on the touchdown run and the goal. No, the the, the pass. When you board, I mean, the, the, yeah, when there's like nobody in sight, when you just look around, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, I got that's no that. out here. What's Bl- going on? Blown coverage. That that was a that was a miscue. I don't know if it was Polini dialed the wrong thing. I don't know if it was it wasn't communicated across the board. I don't know exactly what it is, but that's the issue. So we talked about Aranda. We talked about personnel. Joe Brady what he brought to the offense. You know, I can remember talking with Mickey Joseph and before Joe Brady got hired, one thing he wanted to know was could he have freedom to call what he wanted to call. So we know that happened, you know, and Steve Ingsminger made a lot of those. He had to check off everything last year. So I don't think that's the issue. Joe Burrow was just really that. We lost Joe Burrow. Like, D. Grubbs, think about it, bro. Let's go back to last year when we had some normalcy, right? Mm-hmm. Look how good that LSU team was last year on offense, but look how terrible we played defensively. I mean, teams was hanging up four days left. Four, the points never changed on <laughs> against our defense. So that's why I'm sticking to personnel. These players are good, but maybe, and that's where, that's where the coach's job come in at because right. you have players that's good. You got to adapt and adjust and kind of go with Taylor to work with those players. You know, you saw Aki just up and jumped in the portal because he saw, like he saw he wasn't going to fit in this type of defense. If I was a, a, a guy, because I'm similar to Aki, I mean, I, I'm more of a one-gapper, though. I, I, that's why I was able to excel. But this guy is a two-gapper. I mean, he plays – you know, eat up three blockers where linebackers run around, and that's what Dave Aranda's defense was. Like, pay attention to the numbers. Glenn Dorsey, Tyson Jackson, those guys were first-round draft picks. Claude Roden would have went first round, right? Look, he ended up that on, do you think that then that's on Bo Pelini for not adjusting somewhat here? And saying, he has responsibility. We got mm-hmm. a hybrid this, and we can play some of my defense in situations, but we, ha- but because of these guys and these things that are persistent problems from week to week, like co- not covering the back end, as you said, has been something week in and week out. At the very least, somebody needed to make that adjustment and say, we won't get beat deep. That can't happen anymore. Right. That's a that's – a, that's another uh, another point you make. It's you as a coach, and this isn't pointing directly at Pelini, but just as a coach, you have to adjust. You have to adjust. It just is what it is. The youthfulness of this defense, like I'm talking about, uh, was it Jacoba and Guillory getting significant reps in the game? Jaqueline and Royal, he's damn near start. Roy is damn near starter, right? You 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 have the the ends are great. 
I, I think that BJ uh, Orgelari is going to be a star in this league. Gay is going to be a star in this league. Like those those three defensive ends, him, Andre, and like like LSU, like those guys are good. Uh, Jabril Cox, he does he's done some things. Like I said, you have some. But all of these guys suffer from inconsistency, missing tackles. So, and you don't have okay. Now you don't have Miles Brennan. So now you're forced to go to two freshman quarterbacks. That would be hard for anybody, mm-hmm. right? I do think that because you know how it goes when when a team is losing. Oh, fire the coaches, fire this, do this, do that. I do believe that if you give this staff a spring, a full off season. No pandemic like they had dealt with last year. Some teams weren't pandemic ready. Alabama, pandemic ready. I don't care. I have three sets of five-star athletes over here from Nick Saban. Right? Clemson, pandemic ready. Ohio State, LSU wasn't. They lost too much. Too much. And guys had options to opt out. So if this was back in my day, there's no options to opt out. Guys wouldn't even transfer in like that. So – it's the issue is is much larger than, than just some play some X's and O's being miscued. The issue is players not getting immediate gratification and jumping head first into the transfer portal. So in order to stop, like Saban doesn't have those issues like that. You know what I'm saying? He don't degrade because guys don't want to leave that program. Because that program is always winning. And that's the tradition. I know Ed is like, he, he also publicly said, you know, I, I built a championship team before. I'm going to do it again. And I believe him. He will. He, he will. It's just, like I said, those circumstances got LSU this year. So, to, so in perspective then, let's say we take this Alabama loss for what it is. And I think you just throw it out because it's part of this season and the dynamic of this season. I don't think at this point – Nothing would surprise you if LSU, you know, if they lost the rest of the games this season, they probably going to lose to Florida. I mean, that's just, it is what it is. Florida's better. And then you go into the last game against Mississippi, who knows what Lane Kiffin will do. And who knows if you, if your kids at that point have just said, Hey man, it's, it's done. It's, we ain't playing for nothing. It's done. And that's, that's also very human to do. So in the take all that, if they lose out or if they go one and one, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change how you ultimately go judge the season. But what does it mean when we've seen a couple of recruits reopen, which is not unusual either, but perception wise, what it means. And then what does it mean for next season? If everybody's still on the same, because it's still going to be considered the same playing field for no matter what, what does it mean for next season for coach? O? does he have enough weight? Does the national championship give him enough weight to be able to say, I'm going to stand pat with this staff. I'm going to stand pat with what I got. We ain't making no changes, and I'm going to come back and run it back. And hopefully this time, because I've planned it out, we're going to get back to that top of the SEC West national championship contention. I do think he gives this staff, particularly Coach Polini, another year. I don't think this is a Matt Canada thing where it's like, okay, this offense definitely doesn't work. Let's let's get rid of this guy and bring in someone else. I, I don't think it's that right now. I could possibly be, possibly be, be wrong, but to take a coach that had put together a national championship defense and put him in these circumstances where he just get back to the SEC, he's like, okay, let's see what we have here. He looks at the roster, trying to find capable guys. See, one thing is true is the eye in the sky don't lie, right? So maybe up front, it was a couple times Pelini ran slant left or slant right, and he probably shouldn't have, and the ball got gashed up the middle, right? Um, or it, it might have been some times where he, he called something wrong, wrong on the back end and, it, and we got juiced. But to me, it just doesn't look like that. I just don't see Corey Raymond just allowing something to go in that isn't suitable especially with those guys working together before. Mm-hmm. So that, that talks about the, the secondary. Um, and then the front seven, I just, you know, you, you got Christian Lockator as assistant coach back there on the D-line, former player who played in the era that LSU, what it, we really wasn't that hot, particularly in that area. 
but you have Coach Bill Johnson, who coached me at the Saints. And, you know, he, me, me and Bill talked the other day, and you could see the frustration in his face. He was happy to see me, you know, just kind of being around here, trying to, trying to uh, draw up some wins. But Coach Ed Ogeron is a D-line coach, so his philosophies has always been good. He's always been one of my favorite interior coaches. Just, you know, with Mike P and all those guys out in USC, the SAP days and all that. I mean, Coach O does his thing, you know, when he spends some time down in Miami. So for me, overall, D-Grub, I think it has more to do with having a full offseason. Like, I do think we still, like, Sage, Sage Ryan and all that, like, he's coming there. You, you want to go to LSU because LSU is going to – they're going to compete. I, I do think that we just lost a lot coming back the next year. Like, imagine Alabama losing um, Mark Jones, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris, and Patrick Sertain. They're not the same team. They're not. Now, Saban is Saban, and I did mention he had five stars on deck over there, but not developed like a Pat Sertain. You know, a guy like Christian Harris went to U high, play wide receiver and, and, and linebacker. See this kid, oh, yeah, he's going to come play linebacker in my system. He got the speed. Christian act a fool when you came back home. This kid, I know, I know his family. You know what I'm saying? Like, saving just reloads. It's going to get there. Now, he has to – You as a head coach, you have to evaluate your staff after the season and look at it realistically. Um, but it's just so much work that this team has to do to adapt to this. It's, it's just tough to judge Pelini off a 10-game pandemic season. It's tough. I think a lot of – I mean, I think a lot of coaches will get passes um, because of this season. Um, certainly some – if you were in a bad spot already – and you had a bad season this year, it doesn't help. You know what I mean? Like, if for Jim Harbaugh, this, none of this helped. He couldn't get away with having this. You know what I mean? It's, I think for James Franklin at Penn State, he may not be able to survive what's happened there this year. Uh, it, it's just – but Coach O, again, national championship, being having the stature that he has in the state, I'm not worried about his um, – prob, any problems with this football-related stuff. Are you worried with some of the non-football-related stuff with the NCAA um, and the things that, that you know, the self-imposed sanctions um, and then having to deal with the, the, the sexual assault um, allegations as well for the program and people not responding to them? And it goes bigger than the football program. But football is certainly at the forefront of some of these conversations. Does that make it tough for him or for Scott Woodward? Well, that's just a tough situation to be in for anybody. I do think any person would have challenges with that. But I do believe that those guys, the two you mentioned, um, not so much Coach O because, remember, he's a coach. And, I mean, I know there are stories out there that he had knowledge of, but everything that he released was once he heard, he sent it to the proper authorities. So with Coach O doing that, and LSU just going through every – like I saw the, the article released that LSU is going through a full investigation and, and getting to the bottom of this. So, you know, w- with those particular situations, it's just – you just really have to put a significant amount of trust um, not only in the man upstairs but in the folks who are going to be put in positions of authority, Title One. Um, directors, you know, LSU's administration just getting to the bottom of what's going on because this is a college campus, right, with adults and some teenagers. On the adult tip, it's it's very hard to say what side is right and what side is wrong, right? So you just have to attach yourself to the facts and find truth. So Will it have an effect on them? I mean, it has already have an effect, and it's just not a good story, you know? And these type of things come with success. I mean, we're talking about just last year being the greatest college football yeah, team. But these go back – I mean, these are some serious sexual – I mean, these come from players – 
from women who say that they talk to the stuff. It's not be like Michigan State had this problem. Baylor had this problem. Like, I don't think it's LSU because they won a national championship. I think it's because it finally blew its lid and it's happening at a lot of schools around the country. I think it is a problem on our institutions, whether it's in and out of athletic programs, but I don't think LSU is unique in that. No, what I'm saying is the timing of all of this. Now, of course, a lot of these stories date back to 2016, um, you know, it, it, 2016, 17, 18, 19. Like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a repeat of stories. I mean, look at the names that's involved, you know, um, without naming anybody, just from the player standpoint, like those, those folks. So I'm, I'm not, again, we're talking about a lot of this stuff being allegedly. I'm not saying that it happened or it didn't happen. All I'm saying is the proper authority has to do a thorough investigation to make sure they get the truth and the facts out of all of this. Yes. As a result, 2019 was a big year. I'm just going on the field for a second. And you know how success works in terms of, like, when you win in that, like, people come gunning for you. But you, you also give them reason to. You also get away with stuff when you win it. And you get away with stuff when you win it, too. So um, who knows? Like I said, I don't have any facts. I just, I'm like every other reader. I read it, and I'm like, oh, snap. Like, the, my mind directly went to the victims. Like, any victims in this situation, I do hope that they find serenity and whoever or whatever person was involved with this, you know, they, they, they get their, they do, they do, uh, justice, they get justice, justice, justice. And the person who are the people who, who had did something wrong, you know, they, they, they have to suffer the consequences for that. And that's just how this goes. But, the side of it, the allegedly, mm-hmm. that's the piece that I mean. That's when investigations come into play. So, it's I'm I don't I'm I'm not a person that's like oh man a football player. Nah, they got some evil people out here. They got some people that 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 do wrong. Uh, there is a such thing as um, athletes being a little egotistical and thinking that they're invincible and they're better than everybody else, and that's not true because. Like at, at the very end of the day, you just like everybody else. The Lord just bless you with a set of talent and you're on this stage, but the, the Lord give it, the Lord take it. So, you know, you, you have to, to, to approach this stuff with some humility. So, man, I'm, I just hope that, again, it is already done some damage, but it, it appears that LSU is handling everything accordingly. Um, the one thing that I, I think that people are going to wonder always with LSU is just, the consistency after success. And it's been very difficult for the program to go to do the Bama or the Clemson type run of four or five years where you are in the top three in the country. And you just know that that's going to happen. Um, since you, and again, this is not a discredit at all. Just what do you think it takes for LSU? Let's say we'll take this year out of it for next year and beyond with, with what they have coming back that you anticipate the quarterback position is going to be fine. You know, I think TJ Finley, even with these rough periods, like you said, he's a freshman. This is what's going to happen. It, uh, you know, it's, it's not fair to him to draw the analogy, but Peyton Manning threw up four or five interceptions first game in Tennessee, you know, they, <laughs> and they didn't even want to play him. People don't remember that yeah. Peyton, fourth string quarterback, his freshman year at Tennessee, and he was not supposed to remember he wasn't, he was the emergency quarterback that first game. It was like, that's how long ago this was. So I don't get, I don't get really discouraged when I see the offense struggle in the passing part. I think we both agree. Gojo said four years ago when Bama came in the last time, you know, maybe the first time under him in 2016, we got to beat him on the offensive line and the defensive line. Are you, did we know this line is getting younger and younger for next year? You said earlier about the youth. It's still going to be – it's going to be a younger offensive line next year than it is this year. It will be a younger so – this this kind of reminds me of when we were going into our 06 season. We, did, we had little to no experience. Though the experience came the entire 06 and 07 season. These guys are ahead of that eight ball. All of – they're forced to get reps. 
So that's the beautiful side of it. That's the side people don't always pay attention to. They look bad now, but guess what? Jaqueline Roy just finished a game against Alabama. Like, he actually played in that game as a freshman against the number one Alabama team. You know how huge that is? Only person was getting playing time like that our freshman year was Glenn, and it was badly. One time, Claude Roden messed up, and Coach Saban said, get him out of there. Start the freshman. And Glenn Dawson started two games that year. No cap. Glenn was not ready at all. The next year, it was the same scenario. Claude messed up again, and Glenn started two games. That was it. Glenn, Glenn was a two-year success story. He was a starter as a junior and a senior. That's it. These guys are getting significant reps now. So as far as the D-line goes and the O-line, those guys are getting reps now. We do have to continue to, to get better grad transfers in, right, JUCO guys. With the experience, you just got to plug and play like a Shanahan, right? And we do need to continue to get the five stars, which I think LSU will do that. And then over time, now we're now we literally, and Nick Saban did this on purpose too. I peeped him out. Bolton, Louisiana, Devontae Smith, Louisiana, Christian, those guys had the best game for Alabama. It's like Saban was like, I'm gonna use the Louisiana. He's a knife twister. He, he did that on purpose. He knows recruits are watching. He knows. He's like, look, these guys from Louisiana, look how they – so that's – yeah, yeah. You, Christian Harris is a perfect example. A kid had like eight, he nine knows. tackles. Dylan Moses. Like these boys was getting off, and he's right here. So, you know, th- that's the piece. Once Ed gets to that part, I think – because, like I said, all you got to do is keep winning it. Like, right now, you're not doing that, right? We're we going to finish this game three and something, four and something. Right? We don't know. Hopefully, we beat Ole Miss. It just is. And it's okay. You know what I mean? Like like I said, even if they won the last two by some – if they beat Florida by some – it would be great. It would be fantastic. But it doesn't change the fact. When there's a bowl game. Huh? We're going to play a bowl game, whatever that is. Maybe. You know, maybe. It, 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 yeah, just – but does it – does it, it won't change overall. Everybody's going to be like it. This season kind of feels like a, 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 a fog. Like you'll just try to, it'll, it'll be something that people talk about because it's 2020 and we're never going to forget 2020 in that regard. But it'll also be something that I think ultimately, unless next year, year after something, you know, I mean, if it's something is bad, then by that stretch, I think ultimately, I think you're right that 2020 becomes just something that people go, and LSU had to deal with it, and they just didn't do a good job of it. I think that's, that's that, ultimately what it has to be. It's a hard year to judge any team. If you're going to suck a year, let it be this year. Because it's a legitimate excuse. Like unless, you, like unless you were a coach who was on the hot seat already. Like Tom right. Herman. It ain't helped Tom Herman this year. Not at all. You know it didn't help Tom Herman. Not beating Oklahoma again did not help you, bro. That seven and three is not going to get you that keep you that job. They had they're openly talking to Urban Meyer in Texas. They flew to see Urban Meyer and told that man that they was going. So yeah, Ed's not in that situation. He's he's shown enough. Like a lot of people, oh man, because people had just this this perception about this dude is a good coach, you know, and he know he know what he was doing behind Pelini. Because he loves that he fell in love with a Polini defense. I'm telling you, it, it's just. But a, a, a lot of folks just want to know: Is this defense going to evolve? Like, could you adapt to the times? And I think with the talent that they have and coming in, they will. They better. I just look forward to seeing this this team in the spring. They better. All these youngsters got playing time. Keon Booty uh, gonna be a dog. He is Jamar Chase all over again. You know, so the talent is there. We 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 rolling with that. And it always is. And that's the thing is and I, I, there was one thing that Urban Meyer did say this weekend, and he was talking about Michigan, but he's talking about for any program. And there's two things you want to see. He said you know, when he looks at a program, he looks at two things. Number one, have you developed a consistent culture? And then number two is are you identifying not just great talent, but talent that fits you, and are you developing it? And that's ultimately 
what LSU is going to be judged on. And I, I would say if there is anybody on the hot seat, it's not Coach O. He's not – I'm not worried about him going to next year. But I would say there could be pressure from the outside to deal with Pelini more so than Linehan. But I could also see Linehan be given away as a sacrificial lamb. Or I could see Ensminger saying, I'm finally done. I, I've been hanging on longer than really he anticipated. I think we thought Ensminger was probably going to retire three years ago. Because there was that kind of sentiment that he was just – he wanted to be there for the transition for O. Because that was his man. But it just – it feels like at, for, at this time, maybe now a year past the tragedy that his family dealt with and all those things and the championship, Ensminger might just say, hey, it's time for me. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, it, it comes a time in any court. I think he really – his relationship with Coach Ed Ogeron is real. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of it is I'm sticking around for my boy in the program and just him being a formal LSU quarterback, you know, it means much more. Like that's why this job is, I love it, you know, working for LSU sports network. Cause now I'm back, back at it. Like I'm back a part of LSU and, and that's what really matters to me. And he approaches this job like that, if you ask me. And in addition to that, you know, Joe Brady left. So I think he was ready to hand the keys over to Joe but success brings other successors. So, you know, Coach Rule had an opportunity to get a head job in the NFL for the Panthers, and he called Joe Brady, got in contact with it, like, hey, we want you to be the OC. Phew. You know, this is a young man. This dude younger than me, you know, in his early 30s. Yeah, I'm talking about him for potential head coaching jobs in the NFL already. He's going to be an NFL head coach. I mean, because he's young. He he brings something different. I put him along like the Sean McVay's of the world. You know, he's he has that type of attitude, you know, dress suit with J's on. He's he's a, he's a non-traditional coach. You know, you, you're used to seeing the Nick Sabans and the, you know, the Lou Holes of the world as opposed to a guy like like Joe Brady who wears suits with Michael Jordan tennis shoes, stuff like that, you know, it sticks further. Um, before we let you go, I wanted to get your thoughts on something. The Knight Commission, um, which is made up of athletic directors and former coaches and university presidents, and they made a recommendation. And it's something that we've talked about before and something that I predicted a couple of times, their recommendation was that the FBS schools get out of the NCAA because it doesn't work for either side. That the FBS schools have a system that that is that their own. It is their own. It's the only championship that the NCAA does not award is the FBS championship. Um, the money itself is its own thing. It, it brings the Title IX challenges, the financial challenges, all those things. Um and we, I, I said, I thought the Power Five at the very least was going to be thinking about breaking away. But now you see these ADs and university presidents say it might just be the best thing for everybody to take those schools and let them do what they want in football. Yeah, I, I do think that football on a collegiate level is evolving right in front of our eyes. And I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, I'll be a bit jealous because I know these guys are going to be getting big bank and, you know, just really you're a pro before a pro. You heard me? And and I I do think that that matters for recruiting and and things like that because you can now really treat it like what it is. It's call it pre-professional if you want to. It's pro, baby. You know what I'm saying? It's That's one thing I noticed. Like when I left college ball and I went to the NFL, it, it really wasn't a difference. Like, you had a couple of elite cats, so the game went faster. Like, of course, playing against, I don't know, Ben Rossensberger my rookie year, <laughs> like, like, everything was moving quick, it was fast, he was getting – that's because he's de- he, he's in the matrix, he's developed. Right. That's the only difference that the, these guys are just as big in college when they go pro, just as strong and fast – in college, but when they go pro. But the issue is security and finance. Because this is the thing. This is the unfair thing about about college football. The unfair thing about college football is you're doing all of this pro work. Mm-hmm. Everybody around you and in the program is making millions, 
boosters. The biggest insult to me indirectly was them spending $4 million on Mike the Tiger's Habitat. That got me. I'm like, you sure you couldn't spend 2.5 on his Habitat and then take the other 1.5 and let's just split it amongst the players? Like, that, you know, $100,000 back then could have possibly made a difference in my could've, life. It'll, it'll change. Look, you tell them <laughs> what you make. And I, I, t- I tell people this all the time. Your scholarship at LSU is, was probably worth, at, at that time, somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty five dollars to $35,000 a year. Because, you know, based on tuition room and board of that, at that time, when we were coming up, around then, uh-huh. about twenty five dollars $35,000 a year. As a group, the hundred dudes on scholarship, y'all made that back by week two. Okay, y'all all made that money back week two for the four years that you were there. The hundred and twenty grand that it cost for the four years you were there, y'all made that back by week two. Yeah. So, to me, you know, and sixty minutes had a story had a story on this last night too, in that the money that is spent on the locker rooms the money that's spent on the coaches themselves, that money is to create, essentially, as you said, a pro. it's a minor pro league. It is a pro league. Everything in it, like, there's no difference now from an NCAA locker room to an NFL locker room. Ain't no difference. Some of them better. I'm, I'm telling you. Some of them are absolutely better. A lot of places I went, uh, the LSU, like, I, I loved going back to LSU as a pro because – the medical staff was better, you know. The, the you know a lot of times the equipment like not not, not Seattle that was next to none. <laughs> St. Louis, the Rams facility next to none. Like those that LSU couldn't touch those at the time. Now they can. I mean, we got that big dog now, but you know at the time, you know those particular places were next to none. Yeah, so it's an argument. It's a for sure argument. I, I do think out of high school. These 18-year-olds should be making money and start building their pro- for financial portfolio for when they're finished with this. And if they don't go pro, they can actually maintain a lifestyle that you've given them the last four to five years. Or let's say better, they earn. It is a job. And not only it's is job. it a job, it's putting you at risk. And people say, well, you earn your scholarship. The scholarship does not cover the future risk. It does I not. I hate when people... I hate when people say that, bro. It doesn't cover what happens to your back. It doesn't cover what happens to your brain. It doesn't cover any of those things. And they won't be there for you for that. And that's the thing I think people – that there's no payment. There's no equal payment for what they ask of you as the player. There's no equal payment. It's, it's none. Just, it's just none. It, it's a lot. And I do hope that they start pushing the envelope quick on that for, for these – I mean, it's just better. My, my, I have a son that's about to go play ball on the next level. He's he's a starting punter for Dillacell. He's starting receiver. He has an opportunity. So I just I'm just glad that life will be better for him and his little brothers. And that is because I mean, for me, like I say, the struggle's still real. Like I hadn't recovered since I left LSU. Badly. Like I mean, I, I have a job, and but it's not like that. Right. It's, it's not like that. That's what I mean by maintaining a lifestyle that we live. It's not like that. And then, and then it's the story flipping on you. Oh, well, you should have did this. And, you know, that's what we tell guys, you know, you, you can't do that when you basically doing this whining and dining. So that's and the we, better deal. You know, I, I would ask a lot of people, and I, I wish they would be have the chance to live a day with with what it's like to be not that BS commercial that the NCAA did there one time. I remember it was like the guy woke up and he's running around campus and smiling and it's a great and easy day. And then he goes to sleep. No, 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 no. It ain't that. And I okay. even just like, I was in the periphery of it when I uh, worked with the women's basketball team at Wake Forest, I was on the periphery. We had to go run with them. We had to go to the weight room when they went to the weight room, but we didn't have the same, you know, we weren't on scholarship. We would do helping. But I saw what they went through on a daily basis. I knew what the guys on the football team went through on a daily basis. The amount of hours that it legitimately takes is so – and then to have to put class on top of that, it, it's just – it is it is. you can't tell me it's not a job because you're doing more than eight hours a day of football during a regular season. Eight hours. Boy, it's overtime every day. 
it's overtime. I mean, all the stuff that's required. And, you know, folks are, oh, y'all football players spoiled. Uh, no, we, we actually not. Like, I get what you're saying, but if you know what we – it's a huge sacrifice. It's a huge – like you said, you're putting your life at risk every day. And, and, and that's what lead to a lot of these mental instabilities. You know, like me personally, I dealt with depression and dealt with anxiety even on and off now. Like my life was never like that at LSU. And the year after started it, and then before you know it, two to three years later, I'm dealing with anxiety and depression. That's because this big drop. You see a lot of times we riding around, we see these formal in uh army or marine veterans on the corner begging for change like mentally these people are gone you you have them when they were in the army they didn't have nothing to worry about the health was taken care of living situation food money transportation but when it's this it's almost this, what have you done for me lately when you when when you can't do nothing for me no more it's nothing i can do for you and that's what unfortunately our military service goes through and professional and collegiate players. And, and it deal, you know, you do all this building up on the way in and while you're there and you're shining, because even if you're there and not shining, they're going to put you to the side. So we love you know, the institution. We love, like, like you say, we love the, the concept of football team, but mm-hmm. when we have to worry about the football player. Yeah. We have the, we love the concept of the military, but we have to worry about the soldier. And have we prepared you for life beyond? Because your whole life, like you said, from the time you were first identified as somebody said, you know what, Marlon can run. Marlon is strong. Marlon can play. Whatever that is, or insert whoever name, whether it's eight years old, 10 years old, 14 years old. From that moment on, your life became about developing that skill set. And people told you that's what your life was about. That's what your coaches told you. That's what your parents told you. That's what people said. If you're going to do this, this is what you must do. You've been programmed to work this way. You have been programmed to be coached. Your life is, like you said, is regimented for you. It is laid out. At some point, somebody's got to prepare you for beyond. And that's what college does for the average student because those hedges are not there for, for the average student. There's no one there to tell you when you got to be somewhere. There's no one checking to see if you went to class that day. You don't have a time to report to the weight room. You don't have a time to report to film session. You don't have a time to report to line meetings. You don't have a time to report to the practice field. You don't have to, you know, all those things. Yeah. <laughs> all the above. Figure it out. But if somebody's giving you that, like you said, for all those years of your life, and then all of a sudden they take it away and they never prepared for you for life beyond that, there are consequences to that. And we cannot act like the institutions and us as fans and as citizens who support these things. That's part of our responsibility, too. That's part of the education that we keep telling these kids that they're getting. We keep saying this is what you get out of this deal. But the education is supposed to be about life, too. And if we ain't teaching these players about life too, then we're, then it's it stays exactly what it always is: exploitation. And, and and you nailed it. It that that's that's exactly what this turns into. It turns into exploitation. It turns into you know, in an uh, enabled mental capacity. It it, it it's just a number of things that that this does it and i mean i'm speaking from it personally I, I i see it i see it like when i talk to some of my old teammates man those guys aren't in a good place you know some of them their their wives didn't left them um or, or significant others you know a lot of people distance themselves from you these guys 10 years ago every they had entourages you know everybody wanted to do something for them and you know help them out or something to that nature and even like that's why I'm, I'm preparing my, my kids w- when they get involved in this because they want to play. You know, Contrell has a lot of promise. Man, you're not going to get spoiled, bro. Look, hey, at the end of the day, you don't, you don't, you don't want to lean on nobody but the man upstairs and, and what we give you. Because let me tell you something. When you balling, everybody want to be around you. But when you fall off, those same people, you, you're telling you, I tell people all the time, at the moment we won the Super Bowl, like the days after that, if I had, 
I'll say five dollars for everybody who was trying to be around me and the people that man, I'll be I could have invested in so much stuff and <laughs> be rich right now. <laughs> that's the that's the truth, man. It, it, and you you still see it every day. That's why even I, I talk to a lot of the Saints players from time to time, Demario Davis and Marcus Williams. And I just really try to provide those guys like a regular conversation because I know everybody around them is fake love. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm, I'm going to interview you now. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to talk some sport, but I'm going to run it with you. You know? So, yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's so important in all of this is that we have to keep the, the it always has to be about the players first and, and people get offended at that. And people start tripping on that, but the human beings, the human beings, yeah. This we, that's the part we keep trying to neglect in this is that we are talking about actual people and and <laughs> yeah bro it's just it's crazy my people of that man at times insane brother I appreciate it another great conversation as always it just anytime we get together it's a blast please tell the folks um, how they can follow you where they can check out the show and then um, the radio show too that you, you do post games for LSU right Yes, sir. So y'all make sure y'all go to y'all Twitter and wherever their social networking and you follow at Big Fade 504. Um, you can also go to Pie Bean uh, Podcast on your on your Apple device if you have it. If you have an Android, that's cool too. Google Planet uh, or, you know, Overcast, whatever. Type in Inside the Trenches with Marlon Favorite. Um like I said, I got to get D Grub on too. I never have. I haven't been on D Grub show about eight, nine times. He never came inside the trenches. Could y'all believe that? You had I, I, no. We did one. We did one together. Yeah, we, we did one. We did that. We recorded when we were still at iHeart because um, that was there. You were recording multiple apps, and we did one together that day. That's right. I'm it's tripping. We did one. Flip, this this 212 for me. He was like one something. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, it was a while. I, I just remember that one day that that I had just finished up my show. And you were coming in to do two back-to-back recordings with D squared. And he was like, Grub, we're gonna hit this first one. Cause I, I was like, yeah, I'll wait around for you after I finish and we'll do the first one. And then I gotta go. And I was like, you know. We're gonna go hard in the paint when we get Grub to come on inside the trench. So we gotta talk basketball when you come out. Cause I don't get enough of that on my show. So we gotta spend a significant amount of time on B ball because I love me some basketball as well. Um so yeah, definitely that. And y'all check out the new song, uh, Big Dog, Big Dog, Big as a Gorilla. Um, it's on, it's also, it, I released it as a podcast episode, so y'all can check it out. It'll be on iTunes soon. Y'all gonna love it. Gonna be, y'all gonna put it on repeat. Y'all gonna be crazy about it, for sure. And then the LSU Sports Network app, or if you're local, I went about 40 networks, uh, I mean, stations around Louisiana, a little bit Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi. Y'all could check us out. Me, Brandon, and Hunt, we do our pre and post games. And then uh, shoot ESPN New Orleans. It ain't, it ain't for the week. <laughs> it ain't for the week. It's not for the week. Yeah, we go ham after. And then, you you know, time to time, y'all catch me right here, bro, because I like to go hard in the paint. So, man, thank you for having me on, D-Grub. For sure, always, man. So, for Marlon Favorite, I am David Grubb, and I will talk to y'all again tomorrow on Hard in the Paint. Hard in the paint.